maintenance tomorrow. Lou's hand moves on across the wall, fingers fumbling again until they strike a two-gang switch. Then, with a flick of the forefinger, joyous in its certainty, Lou throws both switches up, and in all the bedrooms of Forest View, the night lights come on. Night lights are important. They might save other residents from falling on the way to their bathrooms in the middle of the night. They might save Lou from such a fate. April, one of the aides, has forgotten to turn them on, or else she's been too busy. When that happens, Lou does the job. He doesn't mind. It is a job. Hi, Lou. A nurse, a young woman in slacks, the nurses here don't wear uniforms, stands nearby, behind the medication cart, studying her records. Hi, Lou says. Who's that? Eileen, she says, adding, Lou, did you get your iron today? Lou lifts his right arm and makes as if to flex his biceps. His arms are thin. The flesh sags from them. But some muscle rises. Pretty soon I'll be sweating rust. Lou has a soft, gravelly voice. The nurse chuckles. Lou smiles. Then he shifts his cane to his right hand. His face grows serious again, and he starts slowly back down the carpeted hallway toward his room. As Lou nears the doorway, he hears the sound of screeching tires. He enters to the sound of gunfire. Within, the lights are out and the curtains drawn. Lou's roommate, Joe Torchio, lies on his back on the bed nearer the door, a bald-headed, round-faced, round-bellied man. In the changeable glow of his TV, Joe looks beached and bristly. Lou feels his way past Joe to the other side of the room, and in a while he begins to get ready for bed. The charge nurse knocks. Joe flicks his remote control at the TV, leaving it lit but mute, and the nurse enters carrying pills. Back in his eighties, Lou knew all the names and functions of his medicines. Now he takes too many to remember, though he still makes inquiries about new ones now and then. Joe has said he doesn't know what pills the nurses give him, and he doesn't care. If they want to kill me, go ahead, Joe likes to say, and Lou replies, Joe, don't talk that way. But Lou says he isn't worried either, because the pills he takes all have arrows on them to tell them where to go once they get inside. The nurse laughs. Lou and Joe may take a lot of pills, but they are among the most physically healthy of Linda Manor's residents. Joe turns his head on his pillow and looks at Lou, who has climbed into his bed and under the covers. We're the best, Joe exclaims. God help the others if we're the best, Lou says. Anyway, I can't read. I could read if I could see. I have half a brain and you can't see, Joe says. And so betwixt us both, we lick the platter clean, Lou says. He smiles. The covers pulled up to his chin and he sighs. Ah, dear, it's a great life if you don't weaken. Joe aims his remote control at the TV. The sounds of a car chase resume and Lou drifts off to sleep. At eleven, the night shift takes over on Forest View. They turn out the hallway lights, leaving the corridors in the glow of the cherry-colored exit signs, a red that grows increasingly lurid as the night wears on. The charge nurse and her two aides sit in the pool of light at the nurse's station over endless paperwork. The lights on the Christmas tree blink on and off in the living room across the way. Christmas carols play softly on the staff's communal tape recorder. It is the season of long New England nights, the year's midnight. On Forest View, morning begins long before dawn. Around five o'clock, a voice comes out of the darkened west corridor, 
Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hello to you, hello, the voice sings. A thin man on a cane limps out of the shadows. The man has wings of gray-white hair on either side of his bald dome and a gray mustache. Hi, Bob, says the night nurse. She looks up from her paperwork and smiles at him. Excellent, Bob says to the nurse. Then he says, Adios, amigo. And cane in his left hand, his right arm held tight to his side. He limps on with a purposefulness that makes his progress seem rapid up to the living room doorway. Deftly, Bob lets his cane handle slip deep into his palm and snaps on the living room lights with his fingers. He surveys the room, twisting his mouth critically. Then he lays down his cane on the seat of an armchair and starts moving furniture around, pulling chairs here and there, one-handed and hobbling. Bob is the victim of a left-brain stroke. He is seventy. There, Bob says, when he's assembled a semicircle of armchairs.